joined Verblio back a couple of years ago, founded in 2011. Again, big marketplace helping freelancers connect with folks that need great writing. They also do other services like video today, serving about 800 companies and customers doing about 260 grand per month in revenue. They pay out 50% of that, obviously to the freelancers. They keep 50% margin for themselves to reinvest it back in the company because they are bootstrapped and cash flow positive team of 12 in Boulder and remote locations. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Steve Pockross. He's the CEO of a company called Verblio, leading content creation market, a leading content creation marketplace platform. He previously served as VP of Business Development and Strategy at crowdsourcing pioneer LiveOps and held leadership roles at Tendra, Western Union, and multiple startups and nonprofits. He's got an MBA from Kellogg and a BA from Wesleyan University. Steve, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right, Verblio, tell us what it does and what's the business model. How do you make money? Sure. We are a... Uh we are a marketplace-based content creation platform uh, for digital marketers focused on to power their SEO. And we do that with scalable and personalized content. So basically what we're selling is content marketing focused uh, content like uh, white papers, blog posts, um, website content, product descriptions, and we've recently moved into videos. And we do that with a business model that's really SaaS-based, but also brings together the best of kind of freelancer, gig economy trends as well. So just to quickly figure out what you really are, over the past 12 months, if you look at all your revenue, what percent was based as a percentage of kind of projects that you put through to your freelancers versus mm -hmm. true SaaS? Uh, wow, that's a really harder question to answer than you might think. So Tell basically. Me why. Because we have a subscription-based model. So uh, our subscription is based on services. So all of our revenue came from that services, probably 95 plus percent with maybe 5% okay. from projects. Um, but it's services-based revenue. We don't charge for technology or access to our technology as part of that. So the revenue is a lot similar, more similar to, a, to an Uber-based model where they're paying their services and they're taking percent for themselves. I see what you're saying. So you'll have someone like me that's a business owner that wants a lot of content created. I don't want to hire a bunch of full-time people. So I, I say, I'm going to pay Steve, I'm going to pay you a grand per month. And you're going to say that gets you one video, 3000 word blog posts. And one other thing, and by the way, you're going to work with Stephanie and Jane and Alice from our marketplace. Basically exactly that with, uh, with some changes to the marketplace that we can get into later. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about that. So this, this reminds me a little bit of a uh, scripted was just on the show. I mean, are you guys come across them in sales calls at all? Very similar to scripted, uh, okay. uh, very similar model with some tweaks and some differences as approach and strategy. But in general, we play in the same, we play in the same field. Okay. Interesting. So one of the early issues they had was obviously chicken and egg problem. So how'd you get your first kind of people like me signing up to pay? And then how'd you get your first freelancers on board? Uh, so I joined the company and took over CEO a couple of years ago. So the company was founded by a couple of founders in 2011. So I missed okay. some of the early marketplace excitement, but I have, uh, so it was part of one of the first, if not the first marketplace based company live ops that started in 2003. And so a lot, saw a lot of these trends along the way. 
so I actually get this question a lot, and the way I answer it is it's amazingly easy to find a great crowd of workers who want to work freelance from home who are extremely qualified. So yeah. most of our challenge is focused on the business solution side, if you can get good at qualifying those freelancers up front. Yep. Okay, so how do you do that? Uh, so we, I really have a four-part strategy in order to kind of, how do you create quality from a crowdsource system, marketplace system? So the first is that we're extremely stringent upfront. So we only accept just under 5% of our writers pass our initial writing test, which I barely passed myself. <laughs> um, they're all US-based. We only have one level of writer, so we don't have a, we don't have a one-star, a two-star. We believe in there's writers that meet our quality levels and those that don't. Yeah. Uh, so the second place is that we do initial QA. So we look at a few of their first posts. And then the third piece is that we have an inverted system of how we look at incentives. So all of our writers write on spec. And so basically they match themselves to the client. By doing so, they have every incentive to make sure they match themselves right or they're wasting their time in, in their writing for someone else. This is pretty similar to how they would do normal biz dev. Um, but we think that helps uh, improve the market incentives for matching. So we're not yep. doing it individually. Uh, and the fourth is we rely a lot on client feedback. So all feedback that comes from our clients goes to any writer that would write for that client again. And so any writer that starts has already seen all the feedback you've given. So you're training a pool of writers as opposed to an individual writer, yeah. which we think it, is a more sustainable solution. Interesting. And for somebody like me, that's a content publisher, you know, I'm sure you have people that come in and buy one post for 90 or they're elite paying you, I don't know, five, 10 grand a month for you to run the whole blog. But generally on average, what's somebody like me going to pay you per month? Um, so we, so we charge in packages like you talked about before. And yep. so we range anything from, so a hundred or a thousand word blog for us is a hundred dollars. Um, and so our average client is around, we have, uh, probably, 40% small businesses that pay $300 or less. Okay. And then we have a significant amount that are paying $1,000 or more and several that are paying 20 to twenty to 30,000. Yep. Really based on your needs. So if you tell me your, uh, the needs you're looking for, I'm happy to price that out for you. Yeah, so just to be clear, the, th the 40% that are SMBs paying you 300 bucks a month, that's getting them basically like 3,000 word blog posts. Perfect. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You, by the way, you have, I, I'm still trying to figure out if it's genius or just overly complex, your, your pricing page. Uh, it's very kind of utility driven, right? Do you want photos included? Uh, is it an ebook chapter or a newsletter or a website content? Um, elite writers. All, I mean, it's very, there's a lot of pricing verticals here that you have to drive expansion revenue. I bet you have incredible expansion revenue if I was guessing. That is very accurate. And that has been the main focus of our growth over the last few years. Yeah. So let me dive into that because I think it's a valuable lesson that very few people have really performed. First off, how did you know uh, that this kind of pricing page, like how did you know to set up a structure like this to even have expansion revenue possibilities? Did you experience this at LiveOps at all? Uh, so what I did experience at LiveOps, so I was in charge of one of my main focuses uh, in biz dev and strategy was focused on expansion revenue. So this is kind of my core and where I came from, which is, the biggest asset you have as a company is to have uh, is the clients that you already have and finding new clients is so much harder. Yeah. Um, so those clients are going to need a lot more services. So the last couple of years, it's been the major driver of our growth. Um, and so I knew just the, the value of that um, first off. And then um, how to structure the pricing page is a different, uh, different question because you can see it's pretty different from a lot of the other players in the space. So what we've found is we started on small businesses uh, and then expanded to agencies as the industry moved towards agencies. And there became more expertise in the space to work with. So now our uh, 
so now our, our customer base is now 60% uh, agencies versus 40% uh, small businesses. And three years ago, it would have been 80% small businesses. Just to be clear, when you look at your total revenue pie over the past 12 months, 40% of that revenue has come from small businesses as compared to 60 prior. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. Oh, well, 80 prior three years ago. 80 prior. Okay. Uh, and so the way that we created the pricing page was that I think of our business as really like our clients are trying to find their own clients. They're not trying to come here because they really want to create content. That's not their goal. This is a marketing channel for them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to help them figure out how to get there. And I look at us more like the blue apron model. If your goal is to have more home cooked meals, you want it delivered to you to make it packaged versus a Costco model, which is a pretty classic model in our industry where you buy a membership and then you have to go and figure out exactly what you should use to get there. So mm-hmm. we're trying to guide our, our clients uh, in a thoughtful way down what would be useful for them. In a world full of social media, making time to actually read a book is more and more difficult. Now, a lot of you guys have many different strategies. I like to read on my Kindle when I'm traveling or things like that, but reading a whole book takes six, seven, eight hours. So a quick way that I make sure I read what I want to read is I use a tool called Blinkist. And Blinkist essentially is the only app that I've found that takes the best takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and then makes it very small down to 15 minutes kind of overview for me to read or listen to before I make a you know a business decision. Now, I like Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can fast track my path to a more intelligent me. And if I can stay ahead of business news, I can make better deals. Now, I'll use Blinkist typically if I'm working out or on a quick car ride and then ultimately purchase the book and read it in a quiet time, whether it's a six hour plane ride from New York City to London or something else. Now, here's the cool thing. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for just the Latka audience, you people me, you, the smart ones. To get take advantage of it, go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist to start your free seven-day trial. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T to start your free seven-day trial. nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist. I'll see you there. Walk me through some other kind of dynamics here. Team size today, what are you guys at? We're at 12 full-time, uh, full-time workers on the team okay. uh, and, you know, a contractor team of probably 10 or 10 or more that uh, are pretty close to full-time. And how, how I'm curious, how many writers, it's got to be in the thousands. So we have 3000 writers in our active pool and we have about 800 that write for us every month. Okay. Uh, is that code for you pay them all at least a dollar per month? They're all making some amount of money per month. They are. Yeah. That's, that's right. great. And the 12 people that are full-time, where's everyone based? Um, almost everyone's based in Boulder. We have one in Florida and one in Wisconsin. Oh, great. Okay. So Boulder and then a few remote spots. That's great. And then, uh, talk to me about capital. I mean, have you done this, you know, bootstrapped or have you raised? This is all bootstrapped from the very, uh, from the very beginning. They took wow. a little bit of loan. I'm to- surprised. I love this though. I, I was anticipating a guy like you coming from live ops. The only way you join as CEOs, if you had some insurance program, I'm going, this guy's going to say he's raised like 40 million bucks, but the bootstrapped, I like that. Yeah. I've learned a lot. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you then. So, I mean, why, what gave you the confidence coming to the company with kind of no big traditional VCs where you could come in here and make a difference? Uh, really interesting. So it's a great question. So first of all, VCs in the marketplace solution kind of space, uh, has been a really challenging mix. So 99 designs hasn't gone public yet. Uh, live ops never went public, even though we crossed but you look at Upwork. We looked at Upwork, but it's, um, it took them, well, it took them a while. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, so it's more of a freelancer marketplace as opposed to a solutions-based company. Yeah. Um, 
but yes, I would like to be like Upwork very soon. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's all true. Uh, so, you know, when VCs went into the space and this happened at LiveOps, and I think this has happened with a lot, I'm sure maybe your scripted conversation had similar things. The expectations were for massive growth, um, but it's really focused on the technology side of the business as opposed to the services. And marketplace solutions are really a combination of the two. So you might be looking at an exit that's more like two to three times uh, two to three times revenue or three to five times versus the 10x that most VCs are looking for. So actually not having VC in here made me much more comfortable that the expectations were aligned with the strength of the business. Smart. Um, so I thought that was really good. Uh, I had also tried to build a similar type of business when I was at LiveOps. We, I was part of a team that spun off a new business platform called LiveWork that was based on doing other work types than call center work. Uh, and so one of them was a large project with an IAC company doing content creation for them. So I, w- I wonder who that could have been. Yeah, it was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> IAC is obviously a great company. Lots to learn there. You know, Tinder knows a thing or two about expansion revenue as well. Top grossing app. Smart, smart stuff on the water there. Um, I actually want to break down this dynamic you described around VCs and really margin profiles between marketplaces and SaaS because you're exactly right. There's a massive difference and VCs will ding you even though they shouldn't be dinged and they have to have each other to feed each other in terms of the marketplace plus SaaS. So let's just focus on your SMB cohort for a second. Um, how many have you scaled to today? So how many just SMBs are you working with today? So we're working with, um, uh, so we're work- we have 800 customers and about 400 of them are, um, are agencies and 400 of them are SMBs. So that trend is about to dramatically shift. And we write for about 1,500 different businesses each month. Okay. So each, each, each customer can have multiple subscriptions. Um, so some of our agencies have, uh, have 80 different accounts with us per month. Got it. Okay. But let's, let's just say folks on the SMB here for a second. So 400 SMB customers, you mentioned earlier, they'll do three articles for call it 300 bucks. So that line of business for you, it sounds like it's about 120 grand per month. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And you mentioned earlier that that is for, you know, the SMB slice is 40% of your total revenue pie versus it used to be 80%. So your margin profile is changing, but that means total across all your customer base, you're doing a little bit more than double 120. So you guys are what, like 250, 260 right now per month? Uh, just slightly higher than that, but almost, almost exactly right. That's great. And, and as you have shifted the makeup of your revenue pie, um, how has that affected growth? Where are you at exactly about a year ago? Uh, so we, uh, versus a year ago, we're 30% growth and we've grown 50% over the last couple of years. That's great. Okay. So 30% year over year growth, what that puts you at like something like 180, I think 180 grand a month about a year ago. Um, that's about right. By the way, great growth for bootstrap company. So obviously I love that. Um, how did you know that the smart move was going to be to move, you know, instead of going out and getting more SMB customers, you know, taking a one to many approach and going agency was going to be better and more profitable and scale faster. Uh, that's a great question. So really, you have a, as a bootstrap question, uh, company, you have to be really strategic. I've never had to be so disciplined in my decision-making and of what I could go after yep. um, because I've had uh, larger funding before. Uh, so for me, I thought the content marketing space has really been evolving quite dynamically and quite quickly. It has moved from just lots of short blogs, got you great rankings on, on Google just five years ago, and that's where yep. the company was started, to now you have to have higher quality, you have to have more matching of some subject matter expertise, and you have to uh, uh, include multiple forms of content as well. Mm-hmm. So I thought that our, 
the selling more of our existing product that I thought was needed to be upgraded was uh, not as beneficial as selling more services to the existing clients uh, until we could be upgraded. And so part of that was our big rebrand two months ago to, to Verblio, which kind of positioned us for the next the next phase of growth. And going back to the margin questions, right? So 260 grand per month today, obviously you didn't have to pay the freelancers to execute that work. So, I mean, have you optimized that at a typical, like you said, we want to hit this margin. We need to find freelancers willing to do it this and then upsell it by this much. How, how do you think about what margin you keep for yourself? We're shooting for more of a 50% margin range versus the 10% upwork range. Uh, and we're putting all of that back into the company to improve our platform, offer other products and services. Uh, and to give as much to the writers as, as, as makes the other half to the writers. That's great. So on 260, maybe you keep 130, you pay out 130. You're 50-50 partners with your marketplace. Yes. That's, that's, a good way, that's a good way to look at it. Um, very good. And then um, in terms of growing the company, obviously you're bootstrapped, so I'm assuming cash flow positive, correct? Yes, we have to be. Yeah. Well, did you, have you taken loans or debt or anything? Uh, I have not. I just took out my first line of credit uh, a couple of weeks ago to uh, acquire our first company. Oh, cool. Um, who did you, what banks did you use to work with to do that? Uh, we used, worked with First Western Bank here in Boulder. Ah, very good. A typical terms like venture debt deal or was it like a revenue-based financing or term loan? It was a small line of credit. Just the so. line of credit. That's great. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so good. Cash flow positive, you have to be. And then last economics questions here before we wrap up. Um, churn. Obviously, churn's critical in any SaaS business, especially a SaaS plus marketplace business. What does your revenue churn look like per year? Our revenue churn looks like our average... Um, so basically, our churn is around 10% a month, which is really high. Logo uh, or revenue? Oh, uh, revenue. Okay. Yeah, that um, is high. So much more in line with the services model. It's very similar to an agency, a digital agency business model, um, where once a customer stays with us for, for three months and tries out our system, because we're asking them to invest a lot to get there, um, they have to co-create, they have to create the topics, they have to have some idea of interacting with our writers. So it's not as easy as a normal model where uh, we're taking a lot of the work off their plate. We take a lot of work off their plate, but they still have to do some. Yeah. Uh, so once they stay with us six months, uh, uh, they are generally, those customers stay with us for a couple years. Our average customer stays with us nine months. Um, and uh, and what do you pay for that customer? So if they're paying you 300 bucks per month, how aggressive are you being in terms of what, what will you pay for that customer to get them? Uh, not aggressive at all. So we're actually doing no paid marketing right now. Everything fully weighted is, though. Uh, fully weighted. So we're all we're all SEO based. So it's a it's a hard thing to to, yeah. to calculate the normal way because it's all it's our marketing, it's our blogs, it's our it's our content that we're putting out there that's driving our our engine versus our normal kind of sales funnel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you don't really look at that number, add up all the salaries of your content and SEO people, divide by new customers per year, and back into a CAC. No, but next year I hope to. Yeah, that's, that comes with more scale, I guess, but uh, that'll be exciting growth for you guys. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here, Steve, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? So I was thinking a lot about this. Uh, I, like, I read a lot of um, consumer behavior books, and I think Switch is probably the one that had the most impact on me by the Heath brothers. Number two, is there an under-the-radar CEO in Boulder that you're following or studying? Oh, that's interesting. I'm glad you asked in Boulder. Um, the... Uh, you know, there's no large CEOs because I'm mostly focused on the small guys that are trying to do a similar type. No, of that's under the radar. That's what I want. Um, let's see, I really like the guys at Team Snap. Um, Dave. I, yes, Dave. Yeah, he was just he was just on the show last week. I was just emailing him. Oh, really? Great, great, yeah, great company. Interesting distribution model there across sports teams. Um, yeah. Number three, what billing tool do you guys use? What billing tool? Uh, we use um, Recurly. 
or curly. Okay, great. And then, um, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I get seven. Okay, that's good. And what's your situation, Steve? Married, single kiddos? Married, two boys, seven and 10. Oh, great. Okay, you got a full plate. How old are you? I'm 46. 46. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, I wish my 20-year-old self who moved to San Francisco in 1996 had decided to work in startups and not in nonprofits. <laughs> start, in, start in startups, not nonprofits. Coming from Steve, joined Verblio back a couple years ago, founded in 2011. Again, big marketplace helping freelancers connect with folks that need great writing. They also do other services like video today, serving about 800 companies and customers, doing about 260 grand per month in revenue. They pay out 50% of that, obviously, to the freelancers. They keep 50% margin for themselves to reinvest it back in the company because they are bootstrapped and cash flow positive team of 12 in Boulder and remote locations. Uh, Steve, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks so much, Nathan.